Today, I'd like to talk to you about hell. No, I'm just kidding. Not with an intro like that. That wouldn't be very good, right? I'm just kidding. Actually, we almost were in hell if the Buckeyes would have lost yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Everybody else with me on that? Can I get an OH? Yes. Thank you. Feels so good to be among fellow believers in the Buckeyes and in Jesus. It's good things. It's good things. So, well, welcome to Simple Church. My name's Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here. So glad that you're here today. Uh, can we put that thing up for me there? Well, uh, last week, oh no, do you have the, the other thing? <laughs> that's Socks and Underwear. That's the name of the series we're doing this week. I'm still humming really bad, guys, in case you didn't know that. Wow. Yep, that was my stomach growling. <laughs> do we have it? Don't have it? Which thing? The, the, there it is. There it is. So last week I hear the joke was, was that, that they've been waiting on that forever. And Kelly came to me in the middle of the week and said, I want my picture up on the screen. I said, there you go. So, and she's not even in here. She's not even in here to see it. Kelly, where are you? Oh, she's probably back there working with the kids. I know they're working on a Christmas song. So, all right. Well, she missed it. Y'all have to tell her she was up on the screen. She's up on the screen. So, well, all right. So you can take that down now. Thanks. <laughs> so, so this week we are launching a brand new series. If you were here last week, my buddy Tim Toole was here. Thank you, Tim, for, for ministering the gospel. We appreciate you doing that. Uh, if you weren't here, you need to listen to the podcast. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was fantastic. So um, I'm thankful to him for giving me the day off. That was, uh, that was great. So I, I want to tell you this. Today, we are doing baptisms, okay? And if you don't know what baptism is, baptism is a, before we get into that, baptism is, of course, a representation, uh, an outward representation of an inward change, okay? So if you've given your heart to Christ, baptism is like saying, I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to be buried with Christ, just like Christ died and rose from the dead. We are burying ourselves in a watery grave and coming back out. And there's nothing magical about the water. It's just a statement of faith. It's an outward expression of an inward change, okay? So, excuse me. If you have never been baptized and would like to join us today at 2 o'clock, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, we will. I can get you a ride. I can be here at like... 1.30-ish, 1.15-ish, and pick you up. So just leave, see me after service and let me know that you need a ride. I'll meet you here. I'll get you up there. Uh, it's a church in Pickerington uh, on 256. You just go straight out 256, and it's on the left just before the high school. So um, it's a way out there. But at 2 o'clock, we'll be baptizing people, and what Josh said is right. If you come and you're just like, you know what, I want to check it out first, and you decide you want to jump in the water, my encouragement is to bring a change of clothes with you and a towel. <laughs> If you don't, you're going into your jeans and t-shirt, and, uh, and if you do decide to come, please no white t-shirts. We don't need any of that going on, okay? It becomes a whole different kind of thing altogether. So anyway, so, that, so if you want to see me after service, please do, and uh, we will get you signed up for baptism, okay? So that, that's just a big thing, and I just wanted to make sure that you knew there's no class you have to take in order to get baptized today. If you want to join us, you can. So socks and underwear. All right. So every year, they, we all get presents that we want, but there's always that present that we need that we get, right? And it's not necessarily the thing that we ask for. It's just something that we need, and, um, and, and it's nothing we really get excited about. So I, I want you to imagine being a kid. Christmas is like a magical time, isn't it? And uh, anybody put out your Christmas tree and your nativity scenes and all that stuff yet? No? Just us? Oh, okay, a few of you. All right. So right after Thanksgiving, right? For me... Uh, it's, you know, I, I imagine people baking pies, and we, we started doing that on Sunday and putting on Michael Buble Christmas album. 
not going to lie, I was by myself doing that. So, but, uh, but as a kid, you get excited for Christmas. You know, you, you go into the stores and everything has changed. It's all become this magical wonderland, and it's made just for kids, right? The music on the sound system has changed, and Santa Claus is sitting there with his elves, and you can sit on his lap and tell him everything you wanted. And, you know, when I was a kid, um, the thing that I wanted most was a Nintendo. And, but not only that, you know, around this time of year, I would also grab my mom's catalog, the JCPenney catalog, right? Anybody ever have the JCPenney catalog? Big thing, right? And you just flip through there, and my mom said, just start circling stuff. So we grabbed a Sharpie marker and just started circling all the presents in there that we wanted. And because there was three of us boys, color coding didn't necessarily work. There was some trickery at hand with that kind of stuff. You had to start putting your initials, sign here three times, thumbprints, like, you know, to know who, what kid was which. So uh, anyway, <laughs> so I wanted the Nintendo, the gray box, the original one, the best one. You know what I'm saying? Anybody out there ever, ever get the Nintendo, the gray box, right? I've heard some people still have one. Uh, and, uh, and I'd love to play that. Is that you right there? Right there? Is that you? Who has it? Somebody, see somebody pointing. I thought somebody was pointing. Oh, back here. Okay, all right. I thought I saw some pointing going on. Like, you've got one? Let's play. Uh, but the, 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 I don't think today's technology in the game systems has actually surpassed that of the original gray box, right? Because it, you remember when you play the gray box Nintendo, it would like freeze up? And like in order to fix it, it there's, you'd pull it out and... And then you when you blow it, that's right. And everybody knows. Listen, no other game system has that blow technology. You know what I'm saying? If you could just blow on every single game system that just messed up, right? It would, it would be awesome. But Nintendo's the only one that has that technology. Like it recognized your your breath or something, right? That was it. Anyway, and then your younger brother, you know, it's just for me. My younger brother always tried to imitate, and he didn't blow. He and then um, and then your game is ruined. Then your game is ruined. Don't raspberry it. You blow it. (laughs) Anyway, well, all of you had those kind of presents and gifts that you wanted. Why don't you just do me a favor? Take a moment. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor what it was that you wanted as a kid that you wanted so bad that you got. Go ahead and take a moment and do that. Tell everybody. Now, some of you... uh, some of you spoiled brats out there got everything that you wanted, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I knew you guys. <laughs> I had friends like you guys when I was growing up. But you, if you're like me, there's always that one gift that's underneath the tree that is wrapped. And uh, it looks just like every other one. And it's, it's this bomb that's getting ready to explode in your face. And you can never tell the difference between it and the other gifts because the wrapping paper looks so promising. The box size is just right. And you open it up and it's socks and underwear. It's not necessarily the gift you want to get excited about, but it is a gift that you will use, right? And, and you can usually tell when you're getting ready to get one of those kinds of gifts because the second you pick it up, there is somebody looming over your shoulder assuring you, oh, you're going to love this present. It's just what you need. You know what I'm saying? They're like right there. You are going to love this. You're going to use this every day. And you're like, oh, great. This is going to be a socks and underwear kind of gift, you know, because they, they're, they're telling you that. And sometimes, sometimes these people, whoever they are, Mom and Dad, <clears throat> not saying they're here, but they're right back there. Um, sometimes the gifts will be wrapped nice, and you open it up, and you see the box. You see the Nintendo box, and you're like, yes! And you open it up, and it's like, no! Because they put the socks and underwear in the Nintendo box. I'm not saying it happened to me, because it didn't, but you've had something similar like that happen to you, right? Or sometimes it's the size of the box, but... 
really, it's, it's the package, you know. So I just think any of that's, that's just really, really mean. So, But this kind of thing, it's getting a gift that you really need, but not the one you were hoping for, is kind of like what the first Christmas was like, right? And Because uh, Jesus is the gift that everyone needs, but he wasn't the gift that everyone wanted. In John 3.16, it says that God so loved the world that he gave, right? He took Jesus, he left heaven, he wrapped him with, with, a, with a bow and stuck him underneath the tree, but nobody seemed to notice that Jesus was there. He didn't arrive in the way that you would think that he would. And, and why was that? Why was the most pivotal event in our time so unnoticed? Why did it happen that way? Why did, did God just not think this through all the way? I mean, because the people were expecting him, right? They had prophecies. They had, they had uh, uh, the, the whole world was groaning to be redeemed and looking for a savior. They knew a Messiah was coming. Why didn't they know it when he got there? It's because he came in a way that they didn't expect. So we're going to jump into one of the Gospels today, and we're going to do the Christmas story. Now, we're not going to go to the typical place that everybody does. And before I do that, if you need a Bible today, would you just raise your hand? Let us know that you need a Bible. We'll put a Bible in your hands. This is a gift. You get to take it home. We have prayed for you, prepared for you. We are so glad that you're here. So please take this Bible home. Keep those hands high in the air. I've got hosts that have them. We've got two right here, Tyler, just right in the same row right here. You guys will pass them down. We are going to be in John 1, 1. And uh, I'm going to read the verse to you, but uh, um, this is John's Christmas story, okay? And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, typically this time of year, we read from Matthew or Luke, because that does not sound like, oh, holy night, does it? Like, that's, that's a different kind of entrance into our Christmas story. Uh, and, and we usually read from Matthew or Luke, and not John when we want to tell this story. Now, over the next few weeks, we may pull from Matthew and Luke a little bit, but uh, we're mainly going to stay in the book of John over the next few weeks and, uh, uh, because John's view of the Christmas story is so different than the other Gospels. In Matthew, it was written mainly to a Jewish audience, okay? And knowing your audience is important. So Matthew, knowing that he's writing to a bunch of Jews, wanted to establish the king or the, the Messiah lineage. And so he starts off, Matthew, with the, the heritage of Jesus and through his earthly father, Joseph, which traces him back to King David. And so Matthew knew that was important. And Matthew talks about Jesus in this light so that the Jews he's speaking to will accept him as the Messiah. Okay? And in Mark, when we read the Gospel of Mark, there's not really the Christmas story there. Mark, Mark's Gospel basically picks up from the time that he meets Jesus. And Mark's Gospel is called like an action Gospel. He uses the word immediately, like all the time in this, in this Gospel. So we don't really get the Christmas story in Mark. And in, in Luke, Luke is a doctor. And so Luke is very educated. And Luke knows the people that he's writing to need the, 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 the details of the story. And so Luke gives... Uh, history he gives like during this time and so Caesar set out a decree so we're aware of the time period and he gives a lot of details and this is generally Luke is where we read the Christmas story every year Uh, and the the details he gives us his focus of course was on the humanity of Jesus he wanted you to know that Jesus was a man and so we see that all throughout the the Luke and he does a great job of doing that but John John starts off his gospel the Christmas story, focusing on the divinity of Jesus. Can we have that back up there, that verse back up there? Because Jesus was also fully man, or Jesus being fully man was also fully God. 
And so let's, let's read the verse together. Everybody here on the count of three. One, two, three, go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That seems so confusing, doesn't it? It seems complicated to understand, but in this verse, John is using the word, word, and it's capitalized there because he's using it in reference to Jesus. Jesus is the word. So if I were to say Jesus equals word, so it says, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Okay? The word, the Greek word there, because remember, we've talked about this a few weeks ago. The Bible was originally written in Hebrew and Greek, and so when we look at the Greek word for word there, it is logos. And logos is the expression or declaration of a thought. In other words, Jesus is the very expression of God, the declaration of God, or a better way to say it is, the very manifestation here on earth of God. So we see Jesus as fully man, but he's also fully God. Now, if your brain is kind of warped right now around that idea, I understand that. It's a difficult one to understand. But the beauty of it is, we don't have to understand this. We just need to know that it's a truth. Okay, maybe you can pray about it. Maybe God will help you understand it and get there. But today you don't need to understand it. You just need to know that's what it is, because it's difficult for us. We're finite beings, meaning we have an end to understand an infinite being such as God. And so to not understand it all, that's okay. That's what you know. That's okay. So just relax. But just just for today, that's what I want you to just accept that truth for me. And you can pray about it and all over it and understand it. But So when we look at who Jesus was, Jesus is God in the flesh. And wouldn't it make more sense in the Christmas story for there to be like a huge hullabaloo about God coming to earth in the flesh? Think about that for a moment. Think about all the stories you follow. Anybody follow Prince William and Kate? Is it it William and Kate? Isn't that right? Isn't this like everybody's talking about it when they get married and they have a baby? There's just a, everybody's watching. There's like a baby watch on this, right? Did that already happen? I don't know. I don't, I don't pay attention. Okay, I'm getting heads nodded. So let's see. I don't even know. I don't, I don't, I don't follow that. that. But that's royalty, and that's what the rest of the world is talking about. When a royal child enters the world, there is something to be said about it. You know, and for us, in hindsight, we see it as, as a big deal. We look back to it. We celebrate it. We have Christmas. Even though Christmas has become a lot of other things, you know, with Santa Claus and the tree and all of that. But we look back on it and we still mark it as the day that our Savior was born. But the people at that time did not. Why? Why didn't they acknowledge it or why didn't they see it? And I I think it's kind of like the wrapping paper didn't seem too impressive to them, right? it, It would seem to me that if this was God's great gift to man that there would be some details in the story that would have been a little more carefully thought out, right? Uh, and, I, and I'm not trying to be tr- critical of God's gift-giving uh, because a lot of us happen to be impulse gift buyers, right? We're, 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 um, which means we don't really plan out all the little details of the event. We just don't. And uh, we mean well and we give good gifts, but our planning is a little off. And, you know, I'm, I'm rarely this person, but this year it seems like I am, um, I'm rarely the guy who waits until the last minute. But there are plenty of you out there, and I have been the last-minute guy. You know, where it's like December 24th, all your time has expired, and you need to go get your loved one a gift. And um, you're not really sure what you're going to get, but you go to the store, and you stand in the aisles, and you walk up and down, and you finally find one. And and you decide to make a purchase, and you buy it, and um, they, they wrap it up for you in the plastic bag, and then... It's at that moment that you, um, 
Well, you leave the Circle K and, uh, and you head out to your car and the pump clicks off at the right time and, you know, you found your gift and you're ready to go, right? Gas and a present. Who can beat it? And so, you know, there's, you guys have been there before, right? You had to buy the gift at the last minute. And so we kind of get this feeling that, uh, that, that this was all last minute because it just doesn't look impressive to us. It doesn't look the way we think it would. So it's kind of fun. If you go out on December 24th, anybody ever gone shopping on December 24th? I avoid it like the plague. I do. I hated being out shopping yesterday or Friday at all for anything that we actually needed. That was failure to prepare on my part. But being out there in that mess is ridiculous. But on on December 24th, when you go out there, you kind of notice that the male to female ratio is the male is a little higher than it is the female ratio on that day. Stores are full of more men. It's like midnight. They're still shopping, looking for that gift. And so, um, and I would say this, and the greatest gift to man, and I do mean man, is a gift bag, right? A gift bag is so awesome. You grab your gift, you grab a bag, you pay for them both, you shove it in there, and you're done. All done. It's not like, it's not that, that I didn't mean to not put enough thought in it to wrap the present, but... My heart was in the right place, right? I did get you a present, yeah? I don't know, maybe that's just me. So, uh, but as you read through Luke, there's this sense that the details of Jesus' birth weren't really thought out well. It's just a feeling. I'm not saying that, that it didn't answer all the prophecies and that it, that it wasn't right. But when you think of God in the flesh, it, something doesn't match. It, it doesn't match. And so... We look, at, we look at the world, we know that from the beginning of time when Adam and Eve sinned, that since the time that man fell, they've longed for a redeemer. They have longed, and a prophecy was given in Genesis that a redeemer would come. Another Adam would come and live a perfect sinless life and would redeem us, and that Adam would be Jesus. The, the form and shape of Adam would be Jesus. And so we know that these prophecies were there, and we know people were longing and looking for him, but they expected something different. And even after 500 years of silence from the Old Testament to the New Testament, people have stopped looking. There are a few that are still looking, but they're not looking for it the way that Jesus came. And uh, they thought, surely when Emmanuel, which means God with us, arrives, there'll be trumpet blasts, there'll be you know, party poppers popped, There'll be a big toast because Emmanuel is here. And it just wasn't. So in large part, what we read doesn't match up with that in John 1.1. So why Mary and Joseph? Why did God choose them? These are some of the details that are weird. Why did he choose Mary and Joseph? They were poor. They were so poor, and this is kind of ironic, that when your child is born, you give a sacrificial lamb. They were so poor that they could not afford the sacrificial lamb. And here's the irony. The, the, the lamb that was required to sacrifice for Jesus, who was the sacrificial lamb, right? He was our lamb. And so they didn't even have that, so they bought two doves. So poor, they couldn't even do that. Is this how God had it planned out? Really? It seems like his son would have been delivered to wealthy, well-off people, right? Not people making an overnight journey with no room at the end. And I mean, with God's connections, couldn't he have worked out a better reservation? Or a stay, like surely, you know, a rich man who was supposed to stay in the king suite decided not to show up and they'd go, hey, Joseph and Mary, you're in luck. You got bumped up to the king suite because there's no other rooms available. Like, wouldn't you think? We talk about favor. I mean, anybody ever had that happen when you go to a hotel? They bump you up to a nicer thing than what you paid for for the same price or flying? Nobody? Nobody here? All right. It happens. 
And so wouldn't you think with the kind of connections that God has that he would have arranged something like that for them? But instead, they got a shed. They got the manger. And so, you know, Mary never let Joseph live that down, right? You know she didn't let him live that down. I mean, can you hear her right now? How happy would she have been? She's nine months pregnant. She just journeyed, and there's no comfy bed, and now there's a baby coming out. Yeah, I'm sure Joseph heard about that for the rest of his life. Oh, Joseph, you remember that time we were in Bethlehem? Now, don't ask me why, jo- why Mary sounds like Meg Griffin. I'm not sure, but in my head, that's what she sounds like, you know, many years down the road. And so Joseph never gets to live that down. And, and so also during this time period, there's an evil king. An evil king who's killing all the firstborns because he hears that the Messiah is coming. And he's killing all the kids, the boys, two years and under. Why during this time would God choose to have his son come to the earth? Now Joseph and Mary have got to run and they fled to Egypt. So it just doesn't seem right. It certainly made it harder on on Mary and Joseph. And perhaps the most unexpected part of the story is uh, in Luke 2, 7, it says, And she gave birth to her firstborn. A son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Now, look, they are not at the Ritz Carlton. They are in a shed. The cloths that they used were probably used to wipe down anything and everything. So, we're not even talking about clean cloths. She wraps him in these things and lays him in a feeding trough for animals. Really? God, your son just left, like, you know, heaven, and, and, and that's where he is? So it's kind of unexpected. It's kind of surprising. And so you can begin to see, when, you, when I paint a picture that way, can you begin to see why people didn't think that this was the Messiah, why they would not recognize the Messiah as having arrived that day. So the creator of the universe is born, and Jesus, you know, the Word, the, the Word incarnate, the, 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 the logos, the expression of God in an animal dish. And it's not a surprise that when we read the book of John that he leaves out these kind of details. He's writing to Greeks. And Greeks are, are going to, he's going to start off this way, or, or he's going to start off with, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. So declaring that Jesus was God, John doesn't go back and tell this part of the story because he knew his readers, the Greeks, would stop reading. They would not accept Jesus as the Christ at that point. And so John starts off this gospel this way. But, there, but is there a reason behind why God did all that he did? And uh, as you're setting out your nativity scenes this year, if you haven't done it already, or as you're singing your Christmas songs and you're doing your Christmas shopping and enjoying all the festivities, there's three things I want you to think about this season. The first is that we expect the Christmas story to be comfortable and trouble-free, but God wanted to identify with our struggles. Some people see God as being totally detached from our our reality as human beings on the earth. The beauty of the Christmas story is that Jesus Christ, God, became fully attached and associated with our struggles. He understands. He knows what you're going through. You ever know, when you guys were growing up, did you ever know anybody who was wealthy? They just never knew what it was like to not have money. They always had things. I have friends like this. They ask me if I'm going to conventions, and I'm like, no. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because of money. And they're like, there's no, like, there's no connection. They don't understand that. They don't understand what it's like to not have money. It's completely detached. And I think sometimes that we think of God that way, right? We think of him sitting up on his throne, that he doesn't understand us, that he doesn't get us. But he does, because he came to this earth. And he, and he lived, 
here with us. And we imagine that, you know, as we read through the Bible, that, that God had a son named Jesus. We imagine his name would be Chauncey or Hunter or something, you know, ritzy and expensive like that, right? Paid extra for that name at the hospital. But Jesus knew our struggles, our poverty, and our pain. God wanted to identify with us so bad that he allowed his son to be born in the poorest of circumstances. We assume that when Mary was approached by the angel to give birth to the Son of God, that everything was going to be worry-free at that point, right? That God was going to work out all the details, that she was going to have a worry-free delivery, maybe some kind of spiritual epidural, no pain, no difficulties, but that's not, <laughs> that's not what happened. We would imagine she expected great things, red carpet and wealth, but it just wasn't that way. So let me, let me ask you, are you struggling financially this Christmas to make ends meet? can't afford the gifts you'd like to give. You can't travel to see family you'd like to see this year because things are tight. Jesus knows what that's like. He wasn't born into wealth. Maybe you have family and relationships that are strained and you're not looking forward to this Christmas season because getting together with, with family means getting together with that guy. And you know it's going to be tense. And you know it's going to be difficult. And I know that that hurts, but Jesus understands what's that lo- what that's like. Some of you have been taken advantage of so bad and have been treated in an unjust way, and so was Jesus. He was sentenced for crimes that he did not commit, and he died brutally, being nailed to a tree because of it. Or maybe you have friends that you loved and trusted that let you down in a very personal way. Well, Jesus knows what that's like. Jesus was betrayed with a kiss, a very personal thing. And then all of his disciples, all of his buddies, ran off and left him. Jesus knows what it's like. So when we look at John 1.1, it doesn't seem to line up with this kind of life, Jesus being God. But it happened that way so that Jesus could identify with your struggles. Hebrews 4.15 reminds us that Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses and understand what we're going through. How? Because he became fully man and lived here on earth. The unexpected gift of this is revealed in Hebrews 4.16. It says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In other words, God knows what it's like. And because he knows what it's like, he'll sympathize. He can sympathize. And he'll help. There's a, there's a study done on the myths of generosity. See, you would think that people that have more money would give more money or give away more or it help more but it's actually not true the top seven percent of the wealthiest people in america give less give 30 percent less than the bottom percent of people that are just above the poverty level so above the poverty level the bottom the bottom amount of people there give 30 percent more then the top 7%, these are people that make millions of dollars a year, the wealthiest people in America, and they give more away, 30% more away. Why is that? Because being at the bottom, they understand what it's like to not have. They understand what it's like to not be able to buy a gallon of milk. They can sympathize, and so they give away more money because they've been there. They understand that. And that's the gift that we get in Jesus. Jesus lived a life just like us. He struggled. He was tempted. He knows what it's like to be us because he was. And that's a wonderful thing. That's why he didn't come to earth with a big party. 
Second thing I want you to remember is the Christmas story is an example of humility for us to follow. We would expect a royal extravaganza, and that's how it's done. Of course, royalty celebrated all over the place. They have the best homes, the best rides, the best clothes, the best jewelry, maybe the best watches. During Jesus' times, it would be the best sundials. I don't know. And so they have the best of everything, but God wanted to flip that value system on its head. He didn't want his son to come into earth that way. He wanted us to value something different. He wanted us to value humility. And so there was nothing extravagant about Jesus' entrance here. It was humble and for the most part unnoticed. In fact, the surprising part is not that angels who announced his birth, because we would expect that, but it was who the angels announced it to, because they didn't show up and announce it to royalty, right? They showed up and announced it to who? The shepherds. Luke 2, 16 through 20 says, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Shepherds were the first to greet our Lord. And I don't know what you know about shepherds, but they are dirty. They sleep with the sheep. They hang out with the sheep. They probably smell like a sheep. Anybody ever smelled a sheep before? It's not, it's not, you know, it's not a candle that you light at home. Hey, this is sheep. I want to smell that. It's just not. It's not. Some of you enjoy the smell of a farm and that's fine, but I'm not. I want cinnamon roll or cookie smell in my house. I'm just saying. Chocolate chip. You got it. <laughs> and even more surprising than this was, was, the, was not just the virgin birth, but the unknown, unconnected, uneducated mother, Mary, that God chose. Jesus comes into this world humbly and sets the example for how we are to live our lives. And with his birth, he turned the value system upside down. Listen to the attitude that we have. This is from Philippians 2, 5 through 8. And it's talking about Jesus. And he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, he thought nothing of it. He surrendered it. I'm not going to use that. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Jesus was immortal before he took on the form of a man. He made himself be obedient so that he could die. Obedient to death. Even death on a cross. So this describes the humility that Jesus demonstrates by even being here in the first place. A a humility that we are called to embrace in our lives. And the manger invites us to humbly serve and sacrifice for the good of others. Jesus doesn't tell us to live in this way without demonstrating it for us. And we need this message in our home around this time of year. Because during this time of year, we're all looking out for ourselves, right? We look at how many presents are underneath the tree, how many of them have my name on it, or maybe this is just you as a kid. I don't know if it's still you as an adult. It could be. But what are the size of the packages? Was I treated unfairly this year? Did somebody get more than me? We look out for ourselves. We could use a little humility around our homes around this time of year, right? Or as an adult, we get, we're a little more passive-aggressive, right? We, we, anybody ever said this? Let's just get presents for the kids. Or I don't really need anything. Or, hey, you don't have to get anything. But what we really mean is you better give me something. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Because if you don't get me something, I'm going to get my feelings hurt. 
Right? Is it just me? Maybe it's just me. We'd be hurt if they didn't get us something. So we're always looking out to make sure our needs are met. Ladies, there's a study done. You know that two out of five men will buy you a Christmas present this year, and it's for themselves. It is a gift for you for themselves because they know they will give it to you and that they will be the ones to wind up using it, right? Oddly enough, if you look at the top ten gifts, sorry, I did, guys, I didn't mean to, mean to, you know, the jig is up. Didn't mean to out you like that, but... <laughs> We do that, though. We give gifts that we know we will benefit from, and we think about how we will benefit from those gifts, right? And uh, the, the, one of the, do you know this? One of the top ten gifts that men give women, do you know what one of them is? Game systems. <laughs> who are these guys? Yeah, who are these guys? How do they get away with it, and how can, how can they teach me? <laughs> On some level, we're all this way, whether we're men or we're women, right? We always think about, what am I going to get out of this gift when I give it to this person? Is it joy that you give, you get from watching them play with it or use it? Or are you going to benefit from it like, you know, a big screen TV? Everybody's really going to benefit with that, but I know you wanted it, honey. You know, it's kind of like one of those things, right? Now you can see the TV from the kitchen. Oh, does that hurt? I didn't mean it. I'm just kidding. I was kidding. I was kidding. (laughs) I should have just left that one go, huh? (laughs) In my house, you can. I think that's why I said that. From the kitchen, you can see that. If people have been in my house, you know that. I'm just digging the ditch, digging the ditch. Sorry. So we expect the Christmas story. Uh, this is the third thing. We expect, I just poked my eye. We expect the Christmas story to be a demonstration of his supremacy, but God wanted to make a statement of his incredible love for you, right? The whole Christmas story is a demonstrative of great sacrifice. Jesus was clothed in royalty and splendor, and heaven left it to be born in a manger. When you consider the gap from royalty to trough, we see a great sacrifice, right? If Jesus were merely stepping off of his throne to answer the door when we go ding-dong at his house, and he gave us our presence then, or he gave us salvation there, we'd say, ah, the sacrifice was minimal, Jesus. But he didn't. He didn't just jump off his throne to answer the door. Some of you know what a sacrifice it is some days just to get off the couch and answer the door, right? But that's a small sacrifice compared to what Jesus did, which was leave heaven, which was to wrap himself in immortal clothes as a man and to come to earth and to live here. And so we see this huge sacrifice. And when we get to see this sacrifice, the greater the sacrifice, the more clearly we see a greater demonstration of love. So this Christmas season, God wants you to know how much he loves you by how much he sacrificed for you. I don't know, uh, when you were a kid, if you watched Sesame Street at all. Anybody watch Sesame Street? Anybody remember the Christmas special for Sesame Street? Okay, so like I, I watched it a lot when I was a kid, and then when I had kids, I watched it a lot even more. And um, there's a particular story in the middle of that um, that I'm going to tell. Bert and Ernie, best friends. This is very profound. I get it. I understand. And some of you who know the story know where I'm going, and you can turn on the waterworks now if you'd like. Bert and Ernie, best friends. They live together. Ernie has his favorite toy, which is rubber duck. Bert has a favorite collection, which is, anybody remember? Go ahead. Paper clips. You got it. That's right. Bert has a paper clip collection. And Ernie's always... The, 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 when Bert's taking a shower, the Ernie's duckie's always falling in the tub. 
And when Ernie's going around the house working, the Burt's paper clip collection is everywhere, and it just annoys him. So Ernie decides, you know what, I'm going to get Bert a present. I'm going to get him a container to put his paper clips in. So he goes to Mr. Hooper's store, and uh, I haven't lost you all, have I? You all with me? He goes to Mr. Hooper's store, and he gets, and picks out a box. It's a cigar box. And he says, Mr. Hooper, I'd like to purchase the cigar box. And uh, he tells him how much money it'll be, and he says, oh, oh I, I don't have any money. I just want to get the present. You know, this is children, basically, that we're talking about. How they're living by themselves is beyond me. I don't understand, but <laughs> needless to say, <laughs> Mr. Hooper says, he says, well, you know, it costs money. And Ernie says, well, can I trade my rubber duck? He makes a sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice for his friend. This is his favorite rubber duck. And so Mr. Hooper says, Ernie, I'd be happy to take your duck. And he gives him the cigar box. Not a fair trade in my eyes. I think he owed him a few more things, but whatever. <laughs> Mr. Hooper is a shrewd man. He's a good businessman. He knows a deal, good deal when he sees one. And then Bert, because the rubber duck, he keeps falling into the tub. He goes, you know what? I'm going to get Ernie a soap dish. So he can put it on the side of the tub and it'll never fall in and it'll never bother me again. And that'll be nice. Rubber ducky has a home. So he goes to Mr. Hooper's store, and he says to Mr. Hooper, I'd like a soap dish. And he shows him the soap dish, and he says, well, I don't have any money. And uh, he says, but I have, I have my paperclip collection. And so he trades it, and Mr. Hooper gives him the soap dish. So you can imagine them both, if you haven't seen this story, they're both on Christmas Day, and they both are excited because they've made such a huge sacrifice for their friend, their favorite thing. They traded for their friend's favorite thing. And so they open their presents, and Bernie opens his first, and, and Bert goes, go get Rubber Ducky, put him in the dish right now, put him in, let's see what it looks like. And Ernie goes, no, 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 you open your present. And Bert, Bert says, okay, well, how do I not tear the paper? I can get a scissor and cut here. And Ernie's like, Bert, open. And he opens it, and it's a cigar box. And he says, put your paper clip collection in there. And about that time, it's getting really awkward, because neither of them have these items anymore. And the tension is broken because there's a ding at the door. And you guys ever have one of those ding at the doors? You're saved by the bell. You're like, oh, thank God for that. And they go to the door, and it's Mr. Hooper. Mr. Hooper comes in and says, you guys blessed me. The sacrifices you made, that expression of love was so great. Mr. Hooper's Jewish. He doesn't even celebrate Christmas, right? That's why he's such a good businessman. What do you want to say? I'm Jewish. I'm allowed. And so... He says, I want to give you boys some presents. And they open up their presents and they realize the sacrifices that have been made as he gives them back rubber ducky and paper clips. And it's a great story of sacrifice. And I know it's just a kid's story, but the emotion is the same. This is what God wants you to know he did for you. It's an unexpected gift. It didn't come the way we wanted it to, but Jesus still shows up. And the amount of sacrifice that he made to be here is his expression of love for you today. It's his expression of love. Forget what he did on the cross. We'll get to that. But he came. That distance, that sacrifice should be life-altering for you if you're willing to accept it. You know, maybe like me, you grew up with a sweet and picturesque nativity scene, you know, Mary kneeling by Jesus as he sleeps quietly. But what was really happening? They're in a barn. Joseph most likely helped Mary deliver. Think about this scene for a minute. Joseph most likely is helping Mary deliver. And I don't know about any of you, if you've ever been in the delivery room when the kids are born. That is a messy, dirty, like, I don't want to hang out there. In fact, when my kids were born, I nearly passed out. And 
and it was like a C-section. I was on the other side of the curtain and didn't see anything. You know what I'm saying? I was just there, and it freaked me out. And I, and I don't know why Jesus is delivering or why Joseph is delivering the baby. He's in a city of a bunch of Jewish guys. There's bound to be a doctor somewhere. Why didn't he get help? But he doesn't. We imagine that Joseph is the one who helps Mary with the baby. And there's animals. We sing the songs. The cattle are lowing. And I don't know really know what lowing means. I imagine that it means they're mooing. And that little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Of course he's crying. There's a cow in his delivery room. But, I mean, have you really ever thought about what the manger scene looked like? What it really looked like? I don't mean the precious moments, you know, where they're like this and big eyes and everybody's clean. I mean, like, what did it really look like? I think, we, I, think it, I think the world has done us a disservice by the precious moments scenarios, right? They make it look clean. They make it look nice. They make it look holy. They make it look amazing. And you're like, yes, that was great. And the sacrifice is diminished what Jesus and Mary and Joseph actually went through. The humble circumstances surrounding the birth of Christ made a statement about his love for us. And his love is most dramatically conveyed through a humble act of that self-sacrifice. So here's the challenge this year. As you're putting out your nativity scenes, as you're singing your songs, I want you to think about these things. I want you to actually take a moment and think about it. Not today, just when you're by yourself. Your Lord and how he came into this world. The sacrifice he made for you. This year, allow those unexpected parts of the Christmas story to make clear in your heart and your mind and your life that God knows what you're going through. He did it this way so that he could relate to you. That God has called us to a humble life of sacrificial living and sacrificial service and that above all things that his sacrifice shows he loves you very, very much. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the sacrifice you made to be here with us. We thank you for your love, God, that you poured out on us, that you, as we would say in the scriptures, as it says in the scriptures, you lavished on us. How much love you gave us, how great it is that you love us means every person in this room, every person outside of this room. Thank you for that love. Lord, I pray this Christmas season that we could remember that you, you know what we're going through. You know our pains. That you sympathize, and because you sympathize, you help. Lord, that you called us to a life of humility. Help us live that life. And Lord, for the love you've given us. May we never forget that love. May we share that love with others this Christmas season and every day of our lives. If you're here today and you have never said Jesus is Lord, or you've never said, crossed that line of, of faith and said, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. If that's you, if I'm talking to you, if you're here, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But if you're here, would you let me know that you're here? Aaron, I want to make a commitment to Christ today. I want to accept that love that you're talking about. I want my sins to be washed clean. I want to know God and enter into relationship with him as a son. If you're here, would you raise your hand and let me know that that's you? I want to thank you for those hands. I want to pray for you and then we'll close. Father, I thank you for those... uh, 
that have raised their hand today. God, today, all of the circumstances, all of the, 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 the service, every seat arranged, all of it was for them. For you to express your love to them, for them to encounter you in a real way, in a new way, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, I don't care. But it was orchestrated for them, so I pray, Lord, that you would just fill them up with your love. That you would lead them and show them how to live their life day by day for you. Lord, that you would heal their brokenheartedness. And that you would touch their lives and leave an indelible mark on them from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you need prayer for anything, if people that are...